7.15 p.m. on April 3, 1860, a lone rider left on horseback from the Pikes Peak Stable in St. Joseph, Missouri. Carrying saddlebags filled with letters and newspapers, the rider galloped the first leg of a 2,000-mile journey to Sacramento, California, braving weather, injury, exhaustion, and occasionally hostile natives and even highwaymen to unite a country separated by distance. Who was he? Well, he was a Pony Express rider, of course. Welcome back to Horses in History, the podcast where we explore the role of horses in history. I'm your host, Brandy. Today we're talking about a storied institution from the Wild West. In the early 1860s, the Pony Express was founded. We all know the name, and we all know the concept of this long-gone mail service. For as strong as its memory has prevailed, it's surprising that the Pony Express only operated for about 18 months. Despite this, the memory of this Western institution has never been forgotten and has become an integral part of Wild West lore. Like I said, the Pony Express began on April 3, 1860, with the first rider departing St. Joseph, Missouri. The mail arrived in Sacramento, California just 10 days later. Then, this delivery time was absolutely unbelievable and revolutionized mail delivery. So let's dive in. The idea for the Pony Express sprung out of the California Gold Rush and the introduction of California as a state in 1850. The impending Civil War had increased the need for prompt communication between the two coasts. In 1860, William Russell, Alexander Majors, and William Waddell formed the Pony Express. The men were already all prominent businessmen and had previously worked delivering army supplies throughout the western frontier, so this was not a completely foreign idea to them. They hoped to eventually win a contract with the U.S. government for mail delivery. They came up with the idea of a short route and mounted riders, which was faster than the traditional stagecoach as a mode of mail delivery. They organized and created the Pony Express in just two short months over the winter of 1860. In that time, they recruited 120 riders, bought 400 horses, and hired a few hundred more personnel to work the stations in between along the route. Majors was a highly religious man, so he decided that that needed to feature in the business as well. Each rider was given a specially made Bible upon signing up and was required to recite an oath and sign it before being hired. The oath was as follows. I do hereby swear before the great and living God that during my engagement and while I am an employee of Russell, Majors, and Waddell, I will, under no circumstances, use profane language, that I will drink no intoxicating liquors, that I will not quarrel or fight with any other employee of the firm, and that in every respect I will conduct myself honestly, be faithful to my duties, and so direct all my acts as to win the confidence of my employers, so help me God. The operation of the Pony Express began in 1860. It ran along a nearly 2,000-mile route from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California. It basically connected the East and West Coasts because it filled the area of the United States that did not have telegraph lines or railroad or anything else to be able to quickly deliver communication to and from the East to the West Coast. It roughly followed the Oregon-California Trail, which had brought so many of the settlers west who were now going to be receiving this mail. 
Every 10 miles or so, there was a station where riders would switch horses and then continue on their journey. This was because 10 miles was considered to be the distance that a horse could conceivably gallop all out without tiring and injuring themselves. Along the route, there were about 186 of these stations. Some of them were called swing stations, and this is where a rider would exchange horses only. Others were called home stations, where the riders would room and rest in between rides. It was quite an expensive way to deliver mail, actually. In the beginning, it cost almost $5 per letter. Um, Towards the end, the prices had gone down to more like a dollar per letter, but in this time when the average person was only earning maybe 40 cents to a dollar per day, this was a lot of money just for communication. So actually, the Pony Express was used more for advertisements, magazines, and newspapers, and transmitting important news events from coast to coast. Like I said, 10 miles was considered to be the distance that a horse could comfortably travel at a fast pace without tiring. Then a rider would switch to a fresh horse at the station and only take their mail bag, called a mochila, with them. They traveled about 12 miles per hour, sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but that was the average. The mochila or mail bag was of utmost importance. So mochila is Spanish for pouch or backpack, and this was a specially made saddlebag that was made only for the Pony Express. So the rider would take the bag with them no matter what, whether they were switching horses or even if their horse was injured or killed or went lame or anything, the rider was supposed to take the mailbag and just start walking. So it was absolutely important that the mailbag stayed safe and got to its destination. The mailbag was thrown over the saddle and secured under the rider's seat. I'll explain more about that later. Um, And It was said that a rider and a horse should perish before the mochila was taken from the route. It would hold about 20 pounds of mail in pouches on either side of the horse, along with about 20 pounds of supplies. This would include water, maybe a revolver, or a knife. They tried to keep the weight pretty low so that the horse's back wouldn't be additionally stressed and that they could travel even faster. The weight the horse would have to carry was pretty important, so riders were only allowed to weigh 125 pounds, any more than that, and they would be too heavy for the horses to carry quickly over the terrain. They also rode rain, shine, day, night, all weather. The Pony Express riders would ride to get their mail where it needed to go. Speaking of the riders, they would do 75 to 100 mile increments along the route before switching out. They would ride, like I said, day and night, Sometimes they would have to do segments back-to-back, riding up to 20 hours straight on a fast-moving horse. If you're a rider like me, you can imagine the toll that would take on your body, particularly your bum. It's not very comfortable to ride on a galloping horse, especially over rough terrain, and they weren't exactly sitting in a top-of-the-line saddle. This was not going to be as comfortable as the Western or even English saddles of today. They were pretty bare bones, especially because they were trying to keep them lighter, and they were additionally sitting on the mailbag on top of the saddle. So this was not a comfortable job by any means. It was very dangerous, it was grueling, and they were doing really hard work. In recruiting riders, the Pony Express was pretty particular. Allegedly, an advertisement once read, wanted, young, skinny, wiry fellows, not over 18 must be expert riders willing to risk death daily. Orphans preferred. That's kind of foreboding. 
I don't know if I would want to answer that advertisement, but men did. They flocked to this job. They recruited the small, young men because they were light enough to not put extra stress on the horse's back. Like I said, they didn't want them to weigh more than 125 pounds. This is similar to thoroughbred jockeys, so they're very small. They have weight limits that can go on the back of thoroughbred. This is so that thoroughbreds don't have extra weight to slow them down. It's the exact same concept that was used in the Pony Express. So this is not a new or novel idea. They preferred orphans because they would have no one else to think about while they were out on the trail. They would just do their job, not worrying about mom and dad at home or maybe a wife and child or any of the above. And also, it was a very dangerous job. They were out on the Western trails. Some Pony Express riders were actually killed by Indians. Some just died in the nature of the trail. So having people with less attachments would just hurt less people in the case of a death. They were generally teenagers. Um, There's actually a pretty funny quote by Mark Twain where he described a Pony Express rider as just a little bit of a man. I've talked about how hard the job was, and I will say that the Pony Express paid these young men very well for the job that they did. They were paid $100 a month, which was a very high wage at the time. A comparable wage for an unskilled worker was $0.50 to a dollar per day, which would be around $30 a month, so they were making over double what the average unskilled worker was making at this time. So this was a very lucrative job, especially for a young man who was unattached. Um, You could see the country, you could do this high-risk, exciting thing, and make a lot of money at it. William Cates, who was a Pony Express rider, has a quote that says, I was a young fellow craving excitement, and when I had the chance to ride Pony Express, I leaped at it. So these were men who craved adventure and excitement. There were often up to 80 riders on the trail at any given time, traveling in both directions, both east to west and west to east, to get the mail both ways. There were also about 400 other employees who worked the stations in between along the route, cared for the horses, helped work the mail rooms on either end. So there was a lot of people involved in this organization beyond just the riders who are the ones who've become legendary. The Pony Express horses were also very important. That was the bread and butter of this entire company. Without the horses, there was no way that this was going to work. They had to be fast and strong. They needed to be able to outrun an Indian horse and cover the distances as quickly as possible to get the mail across the country as quickly as possible. They also had to be strong enough to stand up to the terrain and the hardships of the trail and be able to endure these long runs. For the western end of the route, it's said that they purchased 100 California horses. Now, it's not totally clear what a California horse is. What is understood is that these were the horses natively found in California, so they're likely descended from the Spanish horses. Maybe there are some Mustangs mixed in there as well, but there's no really defined breed of a California horse known today, and the record in history is pretty spotty about exactly what these were, other than just calling them California horses. Additionally, they did say that they were very well suited to the terrain and had great endurance. So it sounds like they worked really well in this job, though we're not 100% sure what kind of horse they were. They also purchased 200 native ponies around the Salt Lake Valley. These were horses that were accustomed to the terrain in that area. My guess is that these were probably 
Mustang or half Mustang mixed with other domesticated horses in the area. They do call them ponies. They were probably on the smaller side. Most Mustangs are not very big. And these would be horses that were accustomed to the terrain in the Salt Lake City area, which was not very easy terrain to get across. We're talking desert, desolate, very tough stuff. On the eastern end of the Pony Express, they did use more of the regular breeds. So there were some thoroughbreds used on the trail. Obviously, thoroughbreds are very fast, so they would be well-suited to this work, though they aren't always the sturdiest horses. They also were said to use Morgans, which is another popular breed of horse that are actually known for their sturdiness and their endurance and kind of being a strong, do-it-all kind of horse. I've mentioned it several times, but the horses were ridden in their 10 to 15 mile increments. The legend has us thinking of horses galloping across the west as fast as they possibly can, when in reality it was probably more of a a fast canter, sometimes maybe a fast trot to get over some of the rougher terrain, but it's unlikely that the horses were full tilt, all out galloping like a thoroughbred racehorse every single mile of this trail. That's kind of part of the legend. It is said that they average 10 to 15 miles per hour, sometimes faster, sometimes slower, but they they covered the trail pretty quickly. They were outfitted with a specially made extra light saddle. Um, It was similar to the western stock saddles of the time, but was made with less leather, less wood, and less metallic elements than other saddles to try and lessen the weight on the horse's backs. I've already talked a little bit about the mochila, which was the mailbag. It was specially made to fit over these special saddles. Just trying to explain the layout, I'm going to post a picture on my social media so that you can actually kind of see what it looks like. It's not a picture, it's a drawing, but it gives you a very good idea of what this would look like. So it was a leather covering that I think looks kind of like a saddle pad, but it would have a hole for the horn and for the cantle so that it would fit smoothly over the top of the saddle. And then the skirt part that hung over the side of the horse would have two to four little pouches where they would store the mail and their supplies. Then this could just be removed from one saddle and draped over another saddle very easily. And then the rider would just be sitting on kind of an extra layer of leather over the seat of the saddle. I think that this was really brilliant because not only was it really easy to transfer between different horses, it also was not a huge additional item on top of the horses, so it would kind of make it easy for them to get around. They weren't having this big thing sticking off their side or sticking off the top of the horse. It kind of just was smoothly right in line with the saddle, so it just wasn't a big extra thing. So I think that that just helped overall with the speed and simplicity of the entire process. The Pony Express Trail was not without its hazards. From May to June 1860, the so-called Paiute Uprising raged in the West, specifically endangering Pony Express riders that rode right through this area. So this was a series of raids and attacks by the Paiute Indian tribe to push back against westward expansion. This disrupted the mail service and did put the riders in extreme danger. Mail actually at one point was briefly suspended, and some riders were injured by Indians. Some were even killed. A Pony Express station along the Carson River was burned, and there five men were killed by Indians. After this, other stations were attacked as well. 
All in all, 16 employees were killed, and 150 horses were either stolen or killed by the Indians. By June, American troops had ended this uprising, and the Pony Express could go back to its normal operation. But it's a good reminder that this was really dangerous work. They were not only dealing with the danger of riding a horse. We all know that at any point in time, a horse can injure you, even just by tripping and falling down themselves. They can land on top of you and injure you severely that way, or horses are also very unpredictable. They kick, they do things that you don't expect, and they can kill you in the process. Every one of us who is a horse owner, is a horse rider, understands that. So you had that danger. Additionally, you also had just the dangers of the trail being out in the middle of nowhere. Some places it was hard to get water. Sometimes they were going without sleep. They could, you know, ride off into an area that wasn't safe. There are poisonous snakes. There are just so many different hazards in the West. And then on top of that, you have this danger of Indians. And though I personally think that our country treated Indians despicably throughout history, there also is a ton of evidence of the Indians injuring Americans. So it goes both ways. We were horrible to them, and rightfully so. They were pretty pissed off at Americans. But in the process, some of these Pony Express riders were injured or killed. And that's just sad all the way around for everyone. It's sad whenever anyone has to die. So that's a little digression. I'm not going to get into my feelings about Native Americans and the treatment of Indians throughout history. I don't even necessarily love to use the word Indian. However, it's the one that is used in most of the literature about the Pony Express. So that is why I'm using it. I mean, no offense to anyone. Um, So I'll get off my soapbox now and go back to talking about the actual Pony Express. So there are some famous riders that were a part of the Pony Express that I feel like should be mentioned. Probably the most famous one is William Cody, better known by his famous name, Buffalo Bill. So this is the Buffalo Bill of the Wild West show that shows up all over everywhere in media about the American West. So he's kind of the epitome of what we would think of in a Pony Express rider, this rugged man who spends his days in the wild, wild west and does all these amazing things. There is a lot of debate about his actual story within the Pony Express and what all he did, but it is not really debated that he was in fact a part of the Pony Express during its short life. So I'm going to try and keep to the truth as much as possible, but I do just want you to know that there's a lot of legend involved and some of this might not be quite as true as one would hope because he also liked to exaggerate his story a little bit. But he is said to have met Pony Express agents while traveling west at the age of 15 and then he signed on with the company. He helped build stations and eventually became a rider. One of his famous rides is when he is said to have ridden one of the longest treks of 322 miles over some of the most dangerous territory, and it is said that he completed it in 21 hours and 45 minutes, which is a pretty impressive feat if it is in fact true. Later on, when Buffalo Bill had his Wild West show, he did talk about the Pony Express and would recount some of his memories of his time in that institution. He lived through many important eras of Western history and is kind of a good touch point for any point of Western history that you're talking about, and the Pony Express is no exception to that, as he was a part of it. Later on, as we know, he founded Buffalo Bill's Wild West show and toured the country and ended up being a very rich and famous man. 
So he is by far the most famous person who was a Pony Express rider, but there are a couple other ones who have interesting stories. So another one is Robert Haslam. He was better known as Pony Bob, and he was one of the best, most resourceful riders on the trail. He contributed to one of the fastest Pony Express routes ever run. He completed 120 miles in just 8.5 hours, and he was wounded while doing the entire run. This run was famous because it actually carried Lincoln's inaugural address to the West in an extremely short period of time. Another famous trip that Pony Bob was a part of was to ride a 380-mile round-trip ride with only one nine-hour break to sleep. He did all of this with a severe injury to his jaw, which had been done by an Indian arrow that actually had knocked out three of his teeth. He rode the whole thing anyway, despite his relief rider being too scared to take over, and one of the stations he was supposed to stop at had been raided by Indians. He was close friends with Buffalo Bill Cody, and after the Pony Express, he continued to work for Wells Fargo as a rider for a long period of time, and also scouted for the U.S. Army. Unfortunately, in his later life, he fell into poverty, and upon his death in 1912, he was penniless, but his old friend Buffalo Bill Cody stepped up and paid for his tombstone, so I think that that's kind of a nice reminder that these were men who were doing this incredible Pony Express trail together, and I'm sure that there were many great friendships formed, and that's just one example of that. Another writer that is well-known is Jack Keatley. He was employed for the entire duration of the Pony Express, and he once completed a 300-mile ride in 31 hours without a single stop to rest or eat. I think that's pretty incredible for anyone to sit in a saddle for 31 straight hours. That That is an impressive feat, and I tip my hat to him. After the Pony Express disbanded, he became a miner, and really not much else is known about him. Another Pony Express rider I want to touch on is Billy Tate. So he was only 14 and was actually killed by Indians while on the trail during the Paiute Uprising. Before his death, though, he managed to kill seven of his opponents, so he went down fighting. But I think it's extremely sad, and it really brings some reality to this situation, that there was a 14-year-old boy who lost his life trying to do the Pony Express ride. So it truly was an extremely dangerous job. So rest in peace, Billy. The Pony Express came to an end in 1861. During its 18 months of operation, it had delivered approximately 35,000 letters more quickly than ever before. Despite this success, they did not win a contract with the U.S. government for postal services, which is really unfortunate. Instead, a stagecoach line won the contract, which is kind of silly because stagecoaches were much slower than the Pony Express, but no one asked for my opinion and I wasn't there, so it's neither here nor there. Eventually, the Transcontinental Telegraph reached Salt Lake City, and that completed the connection to Sacramento from the East Coast. That was the final nail in the coffin for the Pony Express, because now you could just telegraph what you needed to quickly tell others instead of having to use the horses and riders of the Pony Express. The Pony Express had also been a severe financial failure. It lost over $175,000 during its operation. It actually didn't really make any money or net any profit at all, which is just kind of hard to believe, but I guess they did have an extreme amount of overhead, and there had been some other 
financial problems along the way with the different stations that had been raided. A lot of horses were stolen and had to be replaced. So it did struggle financially and unfortunately never did turn a profit. But in 1866, the Pony Express assets were sold to Wells Fargo. Yes, I am talking about the early beginnings of the banking institution. And they sold that for $1.5 million. So at least they made that money later on. Uh, they got something out of all their effort. Touching on Wells Fargo again, Wells Fargo at this time was a stagecoach company. So if you think of the Wells Fargo commercials today, a lot of times they feature a stagecoach and their logo is still a stagecoach. So that harks back to the history of that institution. Before it was bankers, it was stagecoaches. The legacy of the Pony Express is very expansive. Almost everyone in the United States has heard of the Pony Express in some way, shape, or form. You know, it's touched on in those middle school and high school history classes almost always. Some of the other ways that it's been remembered was in 1869, the U.S. Post Office issued stamps to honor the Pony Express. Even though the Pony Express had not actually been an official part of the U.S. Postal Service, they did honor that way of transporting mail. The National Pony Express Association is a nonprofit volunteer led organization that exists to preserve the history of the institution, which I think is really great that there's people out there who are dedicated to making sure that the people and horses and legacy of this institution is remembered. You can visit several of the locations that are along the route of the Pony Express today. Unfortunately, I have not traveled extensively out west, so I've been unable to visit any of these places, but there are approximately 120 historic sites. Some are available to the public, some are hoping to be available to the public later on, but there are 50 existing Pony Express stations or station ruins that can be visited. And through an act of Congress in 1992, the Pony Express Historic Trail was designated, which runs along a lot of the parts of the original trail. In media, the Pony Express features pretty heavily. Um, there's a ton of movies out there that features it, particularly the old westerns. So there are at least 10 movies that are specifically about the Pony Express, and that doesn't count all the movies that just feature it as a part of a larger movie. I don't think that I could even try to count all of those. There is also a 1989 to 1992 TV show that was called Young Riders. The series follows six young Pony Express riders and some of the trials and tribulations that they found along the trail. As with most TV shows, it's pretty dramatic and a lot of the, especially the equestrian elements, are not necessarily as realistic as you would like, but I did find it entertaining. You can find it on Amazon Prime. It was included in Prime Video, so if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you can watch it. I've watched, I think, the first four episodes, and, you know, it's entertaining, and I like that it's shedding light on this area of history. So, if you're looking for something to watch, it might be worth a, worth a look. There's a 2005 miniseries that aired on TNT called Into the West. It's one of my personal favorites. I absolutely love this TV show. And it features one of its main characters as a Pony Express rider. And I think it does a really nice job of capturing what that was like. And it also captures the fact of how short-lived the Pony Express was really nicely. So that's another one to check out. I think that you can find that on YouTube. That mostly wraps up the Pony Express. In 18 short months, the Pony Express 
raced across the American West, and it raced right into our history books. It has always loomed large in history, and almost everyone has heard of it. It's an interesting moment in time for the role of horses in history, because without the horses of the Pony Express, they never could have accomplished this, and it wouldn't have had the revolutionary effect on mail transport that it did. So here's to all those riders, all those workers, and of course all those ponies who made the legendary Pony Express possible. It is such an interesting little piece of history to learn and just another great moment in the history of horses in this country. So that's it. That's the Pony Express. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate every single person who tunes in and listens to my podcast. I absolutely love being able to share horses and history, two of my favorite things with other people who are interested in these topics. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. If you have a moment and you did enjoy the podcast, I would love if you give us a quick review on Apple Podcasts so that other people know what to look forward to when they're looking at the podcast. I also just want to touch real quick on what we're living through right now. We are currently living through a historical moment in the global pandemic thanks to COVID-19. I just want you to know that I am thinking of everyone listening. I hope that you are all staying safe and healthy and that your family and friends are safe and healthy. I know that this is a scary and very uncertain time. I hope that this podcast can bring you just a little bit of joy or something interesting to fill your time and take your mind off of what's going on in the world. But I do truly hope that everyone is safe and is healthy and, you know, wash your hands, cover your mouth when you cough. Don't go outside unless you have to, and hopefully we are going to see the other end of this pandemic sooner rather than later, and then we can all be out and about again, and, you know, we can go visit some historical sites of the Pony Express or whatever you want to do with your new freedom once we are off of the stay-at-home orders. So stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands, and as always, thank you so much for tuning in to Horses in History. Mm -hmm.